On September 9th, 10.30 a.m., we'll be hosting another live edition of the Scaling Culture podcast with Ashley Goodall, the author of Nine Lies About Work. Register now for your free ticket at ConnellyOwens.com slash live or see the show description for the link. September 9th, 10.30 a.m., Ashley Goodall, be there. You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where thought leaders share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Kevin Crenshaw is the author of Never Boss, a blueprint guide for empowering leadership. Kevin has been a CEO, a transformation COO, a president, a founder, an executive coach, and a trainer for over 35 years. He thrives in empowering leadership, creating order out of chaos, transforming cultures and companies, turning ordinary workers into extraordinary leaders, and raising an incredible family. And today, he talks to us about that. Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. And today, we are very excited to have Kevin Crenshaw with us, the author of the incredible book, Never Boss, which I love. This was great. Kevin, welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. This kind of book popped up. I think, actually, uh, this came from, I hadn't heard of the book, but Nick, who is our business development lead that works out of the Ukraine, came across this book, sent it over to us. We read it, and we're like, oh, my God, we have to have Kevin on. Uh, (laughs) This is incredible. So, look, Kevin, first, tell tell me a little bit about your background. What led you to writing this book? Well, uh, this book is really kind of, you mentioned, we talked earlier that your book was cathartic for you. It was a, a sort of a, a culmination of everything you did with your business. Incredible story, by the way. Love it. Thank and you. Uh, I, um, I, I had the same experience with my book. It's a, a summary of about 45 years of, you know, 40 years of pain, the time it was written. And, uh, and, and Kevin, that, that was your way. pain? You were going through that? Yeah, my pain and the pain of, of, of people that I worked with, but also some uh, really amazing experiences. Uh, my, my father uh, started, out, uh, started me out uh, teaching me to take initiative, anticipate the need, and you, you, know, you can do whatever you want. And uh, when I was, uh, I was 13 years old, I found myself in a trade show. This is the, the entire, this entire uh, pavilion filled with all these people selling their wells, their wares. And my father had this thousand ounce silver bar in his mm-hmm. booth. He was selling gold, selling gold and silver bullion. I listened to his sales pitch for a long time and, and um, a flood of people came to the booth. He couldn't handle them all. So uh, people asked me, I was just standing there watching him. What's this silver bar here for? And I, as a 13 year old, I started saying, uh, well, silver is an excellent hedge against inflation. The U.S. government's been regulating the price of silver. As a 13-year-old. 13-year-old. I listened to my dad give this pitch, you know, 100 times. So I just, he didn't tell me I couldn't. So, yeah, it's a hedge against inflation. It's about to be deregulated. It's an excellent time to buy silver. And this crowd started gathering more and more and more around this 13-year-old kid who was pitching silver. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, my dad kind of looked over there. He would finish with the couple he'd been talking with. And there was a crowd around me, and he just stepped backwards and leaned against the back of the booth and let me talk. You know what? You know what kind of a what kind of a parent, what kind of a business owner would let a thirteen-year-old sell gold and silver bullion to a crowd? Well, You're a dead. smart one. You yeah. know, it, you know, if, are are you trying to build 
are you building leaders or are you selling a product? And so, you know, he, he did that with me. I love that. And so what's this book? And I love that it was written in story fashion. So just before we dive into some of the concepts, did you just take negative, positive experience, package them up and write a story? Yes. The, these, the, the Never Boss is based on, it's not based on a true story. It's based on a hundred true stories. Okay. The stories, the situations, they're real uh, from uh, companies around the world. Some I've uh, intervened with and helped to transform. Others are, are famous stories in the public domain, like Lufthansa, Jurgen okay. Weber, and the transformation, et cetera. So you would take, you would be educated in a single story and say, I'm going to weave that in. I'm going to weave that in, right? Yes. For example, okay. there's a story in there of the, the, the everybody's calling in and saying, your, your, uh, uh, your software just deleted all the files on my hard drive. And the programmers yeah. are saying, no, no, there's no way that happened. And, 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 you know, basically shaming the customer for calling in. And uh, I was, if that happened, I were perfect corporation. Finally, wow. a, a client called in, talked with the lead programmer and said, your, your, pro, your software just destroyed all the hard drive files on my hard drive. And the programmer, I heard him. He said, no, 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 that can't happen. The software can't do it. And the guy says, okay, so try these commands on your keyboard. And I watched as the guy lifted his hands off his keyboard and sat back. So these are, these are true stories. Wow. Wow. Well, good for you. And what a great way to pull them all together. Um, so I'm going to start jumping in. I've got some, I'm so interested to dive deeper into some of these topics. I wanted to start with early on in the story. You really talk about this feedback loop and I, I think that's going to be a very powerful message for our audience. Can you dive into the feedback loop, Kevin? Yes. So my, my background's in physics. Okay. I study, I've got a degree in physics and ultimately every good physicist has to eat. So decided to uh, go into the software industry instead. But one of the things we talk about there is the feedback loop. Uh, when, uh, when, when something happens, if you want a system to improve, the, the positive or negative result has to be fed back into the system. So uh, if I make a mistake, who feels the pain? I make a mistake, do my workers feel the pain? If, and, and more importantly, if the worker makes a mistake, do I feel the pain? Do I step in? Do I rescue them? And a big part of where this came from for me was my wife and I have 10 children and about, about ten, well, sorry, sorry, ten, sorry. Yes. 10 Stop. children. 10 uh, of your own children. Yes. Of all our own one at a time, no twins, no triplets. Oh my and, God. And we, you, you know, one is, one is hard because you're the sole source of entertainment and, and two is okay because there are two of you, but when you get that third child, you've got to switch from a man to man to his own defense. What about and, the 10th? Forget third. I'm at two. You go to 10. What, <laughs> Zone to zone's gone. Exactly. Well, around four or five, it just it's you, you realize if I micromanage these kids, I'm going to die. There I'm, is no I, way. I'm going to die. You're right. I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and and so it's like okay, you guys need to feel the pain. So for example, they come, mommy, Michael, John, John's breathing my air or whatever it is they're saying. Yeah. You know, it's like so. Finally, we said, okay, new rules, guys. We're going to have an arbitrator system. If, if you've got a problem, the two of you, uh, pick, if somebody's got a problem, the other person picks an arbitrator, they will listen. The other kid will listen to the story and make a decision. And if you don't like the decision, wow. you can appeal it to mom and dad, but it's double or nothing. Whatever the consequence was, it's double or nothing. I don't know if this is helpful, but I was just watching the new show on Netflix about the mafia and the commission did the same thing. The mafia, this is great. <laughs> Well, yeah, mafia, that's a, that, there's a leadership uh, story for us, yeah. 
you, you, you took a play right out of their boat. This is beautiful. <laughs> Hopefully the punishment isn't as bad as what the mafia would do. <laughs> Hopefully not. But yeah, they, so the kids come to us and, and say, well, I've got this problem. And, and we would say, what did the arbitrator say? Right. Oh, right. Oops. Okay. We'll go out and ask somebody. So the, the idea of pushing authority down to information, we started that with our kids that concept really became uh, solidified when I worked for David Marquet. I worked for David Marquet, the author of Turn the Ship Around, great book, a story yeah. of, of empowering a submarine. And he, he talked about this all the time, push authority down to information. And I saw that beautifully in your book. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's right. The concept of, of pushing authority close to the bottleneck, close to whoever's closest to the source, closest right. to the decision, right? Because to the we, information, to the pain. That to, to the, the person pain, feeling right. the pain. Give them that's the power right. to fix it. And so many don't do that. It goes back up four or five levels or right up to the C-suite where someone is so disconnected from the pain, right? right. We make that mistake a lot. Yeah. So, and we think, why do they do this? Yeah. Why, why do organizations do this? Mm -hmm. it's, it's you and I know from experience, it's not as effective. People don't love their jobs as much. And you know what the real surprise is, is the leaders don't love their jobs as much in an organization That's right. like that. And why do you think they do it? That's a great question. Is it, is it, is it ego? Is it because that's what we know? Well, um, David Marquet, I worked with him, uh, set up his speaking gigs, uh, and set up packages for him to uh, coach and train and transform companies for a while. Mm -hmm. It was a great experience. When he spoke, and I do this now too, uh, he would uh, create a word cloud for the audience to respond to. And he, and he would ask this question, why don't leaders give more control to their work? And you see words start to pop up on the screen. And early on, you see the word fear appear. Uh, and the word gets right. bigger and bigger until it dominates the screen. It's fear. Mm -hmm. They're afraid. They, they're in an organization that rewards controlling and punishes initiative. And they feel like their necks are on the chopping block if there's any kind of a mistake made. So, so people in an organization like that begin to work to avoid mistakes. And you cannot become great by trying to avoid mistakes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember back, you know, when I was transitioning our culture to, to pushing that autonomy down. And, and then really, you know, I talk about this a lot, is the, 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 the fear of autonomy of a leader giving autonomy, but there's fear right. on the other side of receiving it. People are on eggshells saying, oh my God, if I make a bad decision, and that's why we had implemented that decision-making process, three quick questions, you know? Keep right. And see, what you did there was brilliant, I believe. Um, <clears throat> I've studied organizations around the world, organizations that made the change and, and succeeded, and organizations that failed and why they failed. But one of the things they always have to do is they have to make it safe and effective to speak up and take action. And the safety doesn't just, it's not just for the leaders. It has to be safe for the workers. That's right. I know. If I follow these, the, the, these principles, yeah. which you laid out beautifully, three Thank simple you. principles, um, trying to remember here, is it the right thing for the customer? Is it the right thing for the company? And are you willing to be held accountable for Damn, it? Damn, you got okay. it. But, but the, the beauty of that is the simplicity of it. Yeah. If it's yeah. simple, if it's easy, people can remember it and they'll take action. And that makes right. it safe for people to do. And safe, that, that is, they have to feel safe that, wow, I, I'm, I can get, I, I feel comfortable and safe to make these decisions, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I love when you talked about asking questions to invite feeling, thinking, and action. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. Well, you mentioned in the book, uh, 
the, the role of the boss changes in your book. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the title of my book uh, hints at that, Never Boss. The goal, the, the ultimate objective is to not be a boss. Instead, Love you that. switch to coaching. Um, and this, this question uh, has been around for a long time, which is better, hands-on or hands-off leadership? And uh, I believe uh, that the, the, the reality is the, the best leadership is a process. It moves from hands-on to hands-off as quickly as the people are capable of handling it. And would you chief. categorize that as servant leader, by the way? Uh, we, well, it is servant leadership. And, mm -hmm. and the concept of servant leadership is awesome. The problem with the book, in my opinion, is that it doesn't tell you exactly how to do it. If it's, if it's not simple, people won't do it. They can't Just remember theory. it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And so, you know, I'm going to share something here. Yeah, uh, please. Uh, a screen, and I'll read it, uh, read what we're seeing here. But the, we call these the leadership steps. Mm -hmm. And this is the process. And I'm going to answer your question here yep. about questions that, that think, feel, and act. But these, this is what we see as a process from you taking action to them taking action. And uh, you're going to step up and then you're going to progressively step back and step away as fast as they can handle it. Your job ultimately becomes to do everything that your people can't or won't do until they can. And uh, so you start uh, in this diagram, the, the very, very level is step zero. You step in, you take over. And you do that only when there's a lack of stability in the organization. And I, I think I saw this in your story. There's some mm -hmm. lack of stability. There's a need to talk with somebody. You step in. Yep. You're going to correct and discipline, et cetera. Then, but, but ideally, when you first start out, you're just telling people. You're creating clarity. If there's a lack of clarity, you have to provide it. So you're going to tell them. Uh, just, uh, assign them things. Make, make the decisions clarify. Give them authority so they mm -hmm. know they've got the authority. Uh, then you begin to step beside people instead of stepping up. And, and this is the level, level two, where, where you're training people. The purpose there is to build their capability. And then you get to this sweet spot, though. And many times when you're working with workers, this is where you start the conversation out, where you're coaching. And the mm -hmm. purpose of coaching, as I see it, is to build ownership in these people. And you're going to ask questions uh, uh, you know, to, to get them feeling, hey, uh, my favorite thinking, feeling question is, tell me about this. What happened? You know, how do you feel about it? Uh, 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 what, what do you see going on here? Do you, and then it, it, questions that invite people to take action. Uh, what, what, you, what is, tell me more about Egro as I'm looking at that. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. Uh, do you have, uh, do you have, uh, um, do you have a plan is a question to help take ownership and, and E grow is encourage and grow. It's an acronym. This mm -hmm. G R O coaching is mm -hmm. it, it's pretty, you hear that a lot out there. What's the goal? What's the reality? O has two dimensions. What are the obstacles and what are the options? And then what would you like as your way forward? So this is just a structured way to encourage them. Let them, you know, this is what we love, what we're seeing. And let's talk about what the goal is. Uh, what's the reality? The difference between mm -hmm. the goal and the reality is the gap. What are the obstacles and options? And what way forward would you like to choose? And it makes, this is a structured way that almost anybody in the organization can coach each other. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that, getting, that's all about the coaching level, the third yep, level. Yep. And then there's, ultimately you get to this sweet spot, which is, which is beautiful. And I think, I think I see it in your story where you're in a supporting role. You're really a mentor now. Yeah. Coaching is active. You, a good coach will get in your face if they mm -hmm. need to, yep. but mentoring, they come to you.
I say, We're, we've got this problem here. Can you brainstorm it with us? What can we do? And you help mm -hmm. them succeed. Very interesting. And yeah, so, so you're in, in, in this process, the sweet spot is, is the level four, the support, the, the, the leadership, uh, the leader who gets to the support level. Yes. And you, you'll find uh, we measure this. <clears throat> well, we believe, I believe that if you really want to empower people, you cannot scale culture. You cannot scale empowering culture in a company based on personalities mm -hmm. or rules because personality, you know, you can't find those personalities and rules. Who's going to enforce them, but you base it on principles. And uh, so uh, it, one of the principles we teach is what we measure improves. And uh, that's been around a long time. And, and we believe we, we're certain we know from experience leadership can be measured. So mm -hmm. the leader mm -hmm. measures themselves and the workers, can measure the, the leader now. So right. Ron, uh, the other day, what, what leadership step were you on when you uh, took over that mm. meeting? Oh gosh, so this I, is, that was, a, that was this step This is transparent zero. through an organization. So, the, so, so again, that both sides know what's going on here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we're mutually accountable. You know, mm -hmm. you know uh, everyone is accountable. Uh, that's one of the core principles that we encourage people to follow. Everyone's accountable to the standards, uh, regardless of title or position. And Kevin, what are some of the biggest roadblocks as someone starts from zero to four here? What are some of the biggest roadblocks you see with clients or, or leaders in general? Honestly, uh, once we put this in front of them and they understand it mm -hmm. uh, by hearing it and feeling it, uh, they tend to latch on to this. Workers love holding their supervisor accountable to what leadership step are you on? I put this card, an early version of this card in front of my son, my teenage son. Mm -hmm. He's 14, sitting there at the computer. And he looked at the card, he got it right away. He looked at it for about 15 seconds and he pointed at step four and he says, what does it take for me to get here with you? Wow. So that's the, that, that's the biggest obstacle. If they don't understand it, then they can't follow it. So it helps to have a coach to step them through the process. I was just going to say, so, so, so it really is helpful in most cases to have somebody on the outside working you through this because that's his work. I mean, the biggest obstacle is myself in this, right? Yes. My own ego, my own, uh, my own fears, my own uh, experiences. Uh, I'm, uh, that's got to be the biggest obstacle for the most part. And so having someone bring you through, correct? Exactly. You, it, it's, and, and that's why we wrote the book in a story format. Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if I here I forget, if I see, I remember, if I do, then I understand. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so if, if, they, if they see a story, if, if they're almost like they're in it, it's almost like they're doing it and it helps them remember and understand. And uh, having a coach to step you through the process eliminates the uncertainty and right. lets people move faster. Yeah, I love that. I, I wanted to talk to you about, um, and this is, such a, I think this is a huge obstacle and, I, and, and I'm very curious your thoughts on, you know, you talk about as quick as you can and, and as, some, as quickly as someone can handle it, give power away. Now this does have, this really connects back with uh, the, these levels of leadership. How do you know when someone is ready uh -huh, to take uh -huh. that? Yeah, that's a great, that, that detective is the right question. Because, uh, because I've run across leaders, we've worked with leaders well, they're not capable of doing it yet. And so that's why there's a second tool. 
So let me uh, share the screen again here and describe what we're, what we're seeing here. And while and, you're doing that, uh, what, you said you have a 14-year-old. What, what is the oldest and youngest child now? I'm super curious. I see right now our youngest is 15. Our oldest is, he's a, he's a software architect. Uh, I think he's 36. Wow. 30, 38, and I lose track. I mean, there's a big enough gap there yeah. that one day we had a, my daughter hates it when I tell this story, but we had a family photo with all 10 kids in the picture. And my son, John, our oldest son was part of our company in the early days. We started our company to give our children opportunities to learn so that we could mm -hmm. give them experience in business. They were going to make mistakes. We knew it was going to be painful, but it, it launched them on their careers. So John lived near us. He was doing all the software work for our company and our youngest wow. daughter uh, who must have been like six at the time, looked uh, seven, she looked at the picture and said, why is John in this picture of our family? And we said, he's your oldest brother. And she said, oh, he is? <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible parent. <laughs> Uncle John? <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah, so I think I've got a little off track here with that story. But, no, it's uh, all good. We were, that was beautiful. I love that. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> You were talking about when, when, when we know that someone's ready. Oh, right. Right. So, so the flip side, so, so you, with the leadership steps, that's what the supervisor is saying. How am I interacting with you? How am I interacting with my people? Well, here is what we call the levels of initiative. And these are okay. wallet cards. We hand them out. They're part of the uniform. Everybody in the company has them in their pocket so they can print them out as posters on the wall. And the levels of initiative run from A to F. Yep. And F is they do when told. Now, if you stop and think about it, most, most leaders in a company would be thrilled with that. That's right. That's an A. This should be A. <laughs> Kevin, most you're, companies, you're, this is wrong. <laughs> yeah, they do exactly what I tell them. But that's no, right. that's not initiative. That is yeah. not ownership. So, so you're going to have a conversation and say, well, on that last project, uh, where were you on the levels of initiative? Oh, my gosh, I waited to be told. Okay, well, what could we do to, to raise that? So this so, opens So, Kevin, sorry. This is used to actually debrief a situation too. Everyone's got their car and say, okay, where did I align? Exactly. Okay. And, and in weekly one-on-ones, we, one of the things we do when we're transforming an organization, the first thing we change is the meeting format. Because mm, I don't want to get to that too. I've got yeah, that. Traditional meetings are horrible. Yes. They, yeah. they, okay. But, but, but the next level and levels of initiative, the next level up is ask what to do. Now, you'll recognize this. This came from Covey. The yeah. habit. Yeah. Okay. But, but, but we've adapted it uh, to be very, very specific. So you ask what to do. Okay, what should I do? What's next? Then you go to this level where you uh, recommend work. I, I recommend or I'd like to. And mm -hmm. a little step above that is I intend to. Oh, and now I'm starting David to. David talks about that, the intention. Yeah. Right? Trying to get people to say it and his own intention in their Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's a big psychological shift. That was a big yes. shift that David Mark came in on the submarine. And yeah. then we get to this, so that's a C, recommending work, mm -hmm. C plus, intending. But, but if I do, and I come back and report immediately, that's a B. And when I do and report periodically, that's an A. And this, again, is a process. People cannot come in and go right to step A, because doing and reporting periodically looks the same to a boss as not doing anything, because I don't know what's right. going on. Right. And uh, depending where they're at on this, this card, they, we know, they know, they're taking initiative, and by giving it a letter grade, we're saying it is better to take initiative to not than to, to not take initiative, and, and and it naturally develops. 
And so two questions, what's the best way to coach someone through this, as we talked on the leadership side? And then second question, biggest obstacles you see is from F to A. So how do you coach them through it and biggest obstacle? Well, again, it's got to be simple principles or people won't yep. do it. What we yep. measure improves. So I uh, worked with a, a, a major franchisee of uh, McDonald's stores and the workers uh, uh, put, decided, oh my gosh, we could make a chart out of this. And so they, they laminated a big chart on a, on a version of something like this and put it on the wall and their names, they'd move them up and down said, this is where I see myself at. This is where I see the boss at. And they put it on the wall where the clients could see it. Who put the names around? The staff self-identified or yeah. not? It was the, They self-identified. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise, it's top down. I'm going to yeah. tell you if you're doing a good job. Right. Wow. Which is Very horrible. Cool. So, so, and what, what, what have you seen being the biggest roadblocks, except for you know, keeping the it The biggest simple. roadblock, People look at A and B and they say, oh, I just need to be doing. And they keep, they keep overlooking that reporting back is essential. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's why there's this step, the C minus step. I did, but I failed to report because I got uh, an A for initiative and an, an F minus for failing to report. And, and people will think, well, if I'm reporting back, that means the boss is going to check up on me. No, you're reporting back to create visibility collaboration, and communication, and clarity. The mm. If the boss is micromanaging, there's a problem, there's a conversation that'll happen with the supervisor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very great, love, love this. So let's go to the next question, which is, you know, obviously the reporting back probably comes out in a meeting. You talk a lot about meetings in the book. T tell us um, how to drive an effective meeting. Okay, so uh, love this story. Effective meetings, in my opinion, are collaborative. Right. They are, uh, we, we, we shamelessly stole with full credit this idea from Patrick Lencioni, mm. who's written some uh, brilliant concepts in his book, Five Dysfunctions of the Team, Death by Meeting. This, yep. is, this comes from real-time meetings, but, uh, but the agenda, the, you, if you control the agenda, you control the thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's the kiss of death for, for empowerment. So instead, the people put burning issues on this agenda when they arrive or during the week as, the, as ideas come up. And yep. in fact, meetings uh, in highly empowering organizations, we encourage people to assemble process team meetings, to assemble process teams on their own, to assemble tiger team meetings, quick 20 minute meetings to find the next step forward to break through in something. The people put the agenda items on there. That means they're thinking, what problems are we facing? What needs to be worked out? And we lean heavily on Google Docs. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a beautiful environment where everybody takes notes. You can see their cursors jumping around the documents. Mm -hmm. And we also start the meetings out with wins, fails, and learned froms. Quick mm -hmm. reports where we celebrate wins and especially we celebrate and laugh about the fails mm -hmm. and the learned froms. The reason we, we, we started to put this into, into the meetings was to help overcome defensiveness, which in our experience, about 20% of the workforce struggles with some degree of defensiveness. And by teaching them to celebrate failures, laugh about them, and turn them into learn froms, it eliminates that. And it also creates great uh, fodder for burning issues to talk about in the meeting. I, I like this, you know, wins, fails, because we, we do a kind of a high-low, but I, I like the fail better because we should be open to failing. Right. Oh yeah. Low is just like I could complain about something else. By the way, but a fail to 
it sounds like you want to draw like what have I failed at the individual, not the company. Right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> what did you try that was noble and, and, and a good try and you fell flat on your face? Those are the best. And yeah, uh, we started doing that as a family. And one night, uh, my wife, she said, well, I, I, my fail for today was I, it was dad's birthday and I cooked him his favorite meal and I poisoned him. And that was true. <laughs> we all got a good laugh about it. I, you know, I got food poisoning from the meal, but, but, but it was a happy moment. We all kind of laughed about it together and nobody felt bad. But also that's a learning because if she wants to kill you, that was the wrong thing to use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully she's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, hopefully she is. Uh, yeah, we, she is. We are, <laughs> yeah, we know that what you're going to try to do next, don't you dare. But, but by doing that, you're, you're, making it, you're making it safe to discuss the issues. Yeah. People won't hide their mistakes. You never want people to hide their mistakes. Let's learn from them. I love that. So learn froms are, 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 look, from my wins, my fails, here's what I learned out of that. They actually yes. come out of those two things, right? And even a highest level learn from is, uh, I learned from somebody else. Right. Uh, I learned from Ron last night. I read his book, what an amazing mm. book. You know, and I, mm. I mentioned that in my review. Golly, the, the task mapping was brilliant. And the idea okay. of, of putting up a, a, an unwanted task to the organization to auction it off, oh my gosh, I, I was thinking, dang, I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah, we called it in-source because the company was called Source. But yeah, it, look, it, that was a big aha moment for us, you know, when we just thought, wow, you know. And, and right when I thought I got culture right, I just, there was such task misalignment that I, it was only halfway there. We had so much more right. work to do, you know? Yeah. Oh, I think that's beautiful. And we're going to use it yeah. and, and, and give you credit for it uh, all over the place. Yeah, no problem. And, it, and we can have a, a further discussion around it if, if you'd like. Yes. Um, so, okay, got it. So I want to go back to the meeting. So it's, it sounds like it starts with win, fails, learn froms. I put my agenda items in and walk me through just, just, I want, to, I want everyone to, to be able to get a visual of what this meeting looks like from start to finish. Okay, good. And as a matter of fact, let me, if I may, uh, let mm -hmm. me tell you a story that will create a visual it. for you. Love it. You do not need Google Docs to do this. You can do this. So it, it, was, a, it was a scouting meeting, uh, all volunteers. Those meetings were notorious for being boring. And, and, and they had a regional leader who had been a professional scouter for a long time. And my wife was in charge of this meeting. She said, how am I going to do this? How am I going to lead this meeting? And I said, hey, just use the fast flex meeting approach. So she walked in, chalkboard and chalk. She said, we're going to use a new meeting approach. We're going to list all the burning issues, the hot issues, even the nasty issues that need to be talked about. We're going to list them on the board. Uh, and then uh, at the end, we're going to prioritize them, and we're going to talk about them. And at the end, we're going to score the meeting. How exciting was it, zero to 100? And how mm -hmm. interesting and how effective, excuse me, was it? Zero to 100. It's what we measure improves, right? So they, they started, everybody there had, well, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. And oh my gosh, we've got to deal with this issue. And then she quickly said, okay, which one should we talk about first? And they just wrote numbers next to the items. Mm -hmm. Then they dove into item number one. Now, who created that agenda? The people, right? right? And so are they interested in what's being talked about? Of course, it's their mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And they, they just burned through the items. They reached the end of the hour. She said, well, we're at the end of our hour here. We probably need to end the meeting. And the, and the, the participants said, no, we're, we're making progress. Can we just go another 10 minutes? So when was the last time you heard people say, 
can we can we just make this meeting a little longer? So, <laughs> right. I don't have so an they, answer for that. <laughs> they knocked off the last two items, scored the meeting. It was like a hundreds, and the and the and the career scouter said, "This is the most effective meeting I have ever attended." Well, I, look, I love that, but I want to because I know people that are listening to this are are going to challenge that with with a thought and and. So, Good. for instance, in an organization, uh, so I'm involved with a company called Vita Living Today, affordable housing. So what we do is we have a weekly, I'll call it uh, operational check-in, key things that we just need to be looking after. But then we do a monthly strategic meeting, which is what you're talking about. Now, uh, where people bring the agenda, uh, they bring their items. Not that they can't bring that on an ops meeting, but how do you balance what you're talking about with key metrics that the company needs to focus on because you, you, you would need an agenda for, to, to cover those off. Over to you. Right. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> first rule of sales is if you want somebody to agree to something big, first get them to agree to something little. Right. So, so, so what we've given you there is the, the short, simple version. Mm -hmm. We believe that, uh, that these meetings where people bring the burning issues and the agenda items should be weekly, mm -hmm. but you do need these key metrics and, uh, you need to align people. People have to uh, right. understand what they're doing and how it relates to the, the objectives of the yeah, organization. The so eventually, as that team starts to meet, you add the KPIs between the wins, fails, learn froms, and the burning issues. Okay. So you're saying this is a starting place. That's right. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, got it. And then you would develop that and say, okay, this we agree now that uh, NPS score, customer experience is critically important. Someone's going to own that and they'll now report on that right. item and some type of cadence. Yes. And, and the way we get that alignment is we say, look, um, <clears throat> we, we believe vision is a meta thing. It's a combination of the mission of the organization, which has to be super simple, make people happy. Yep. Un unleash empowering organizations where people love their jobs. Colonize Mars. Okay, you know, simple missions that people can understand. So it's a combination of the mission and um, uh, a thematic goal, which is what people, what the organization is currently focusing on for the next six to nine months, all of us together, and the guiding principles of the organization or the values of the organization. Right. That's the meta. That's the meta vision. And we then we sit down with people and we say, what, what's our mission? What, what's the current thematic goal? And and what are you doing to support it? Yeah, I like that. Okay. How, how are you doing an awesome job and how do you know? Well, what are your indicators? How do you measure it? So this mm -hmm. is a conversation and they come up with the supervisors, you know, the work of two of them working together. They come up with their metrics mm -hmm. that say, this is how I'm supporting our mission, our thematic goal. So it's interesting. I, I, and it, I don't talk about this in the book. And the next book, Scaling Culture, which comes out in the fall, which is the systems and processes, less stories, cool. still has some stories. Mm -hmm. um, but one challenge I always had was, you know, and, and I read, did you read 4DX, Four Disciplines of Execution? No, I haven't. Read that book. It's, it's great. It's about scoreboarding everything, essentially. And, and so 4DX has this, putting in what they call leading indicators. So for instance, if my goal for the quarter was to gain 20 pounds of muscle, then my leading, so, so typically what happens is that's, that's up there. That's, and then I keep you, how you doing, Ron? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. How you doing, Ron? Well, I'm, I'm all right. You know, I'm uh, you know, this, this week. So the leading indicator essentially says, okay, 
if I need to gain 20 pounds of muscle, then if I if my leading indicator, my weekly leading indicators are I go to the gym four times a week and lift heavy weights, eat lots of protein powder and chicken, and I do other types of exercise. If I do those things daily slash weekly, then I automatically gain the 20 pounds. Yep. I love that, except for when there was a project like you talked about. So all of a sudden, that, that, that to me, um, that's easy with sales, building a pipeline, things like that. But when it comes to, Ron, I need you to, your, your project that you, you've opted to choose is to build the company onboarding, rebuild the safety program. There's so much you don't know what you don't know. Right. 4DX doesn't cover off that. Do you have suggestions? Uh, and it took us a while to figure out a, um, um, a system for that. I'm curious, what, right. what, it, what do you tell your clients to do when it's, an, when it's unknown? It's a big project and there is check-in points. Okay, yes. And so two things I think are really important here. How do you measure it? And there's a, there's a key guiding principle that successful organizations and especially empowering organizations follow. The principle is agility. You, okay. can't, you can't try to plan everything to the nth degree. You don't know what you don't know. Right. Don't know so what you, you don't know. It's you got to define it. So, so one of the core principles of an empowering organization as we teach it is agility, which means it action beats inaction. You get it out there quickly, improve it rapidly based on actual feedback. Okay. Right. Uh, and, and it must not be perfect at first. So really it must not be perfect at first. Get it out there rapidly, improve it based on actual feedback. And so people, they learn to take action, and, and then try something. So um, how, do, how do you measure the progress on something like this? Well, um, KPIs can be a number, a leading indicator or a trailing indicator. Yep. You know, I've gained so many pounds is the trailing mm -hmm. indicator. The leading indicator is I've, I've worked out this much, this right. many calories, as many protein grams, et cetera. Or they can be a, it can be a checklist. Our objective in one organization, the objective was to, uh, to know that the clients were being serviced rapidly and, and promptly so that they felt they were being taken care of. So that was the outcome. That was the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. But, but exactly how they were going to do that, they said, well, there's a lot we don't know about this, but we do know that four main things will have to happen. Mm -hmm. And if these four things, these four new systems are in place, that, that, then we're, we have a high degree of confidence that they're going to that they're going to be taken care of. So the, the KPI was just a checklist. What you know, twenty five percent done, fifty percent, seventy five percent, one hundred percent done on these four items. So you can have a, a basic checklist, a, a, a series of milestones could be your key performance indicator. Well, it's, it's interesting. So what we've adapted to today, which is similar to that, I'm, because I'm always, as you read in the book, how do I keep things stupid simple? Like just right. so simple. And so what we, what we do on major projects, so if it's create the company onboarding, what is the outcome? How do we measure that? No problem. That is clear. That, that we can have a debate about, a discussion, collaborate around. That should be the outcome. That's how we'll measure it internally. But then what we, and we said that's at 100%. And then what we do is we'll say, okay, you're starting at zero. You're ground zero. So every week, you input your percentage complete. Are you at five? Are you at seven? You, you're going to own that. And what's the one thing you need to do to move it to 8% to 10%? Nice. And so we keep it very simple. Just one thing you're going to do that you don't really need to overthink it. You just have to, it's like if you're running, um, uh, what is that? We jump over the uh, hurdles. 
hurdles, right? The hurdle thing. Yeah. You have to worry about the next hurdle because the next hurdle gets you a little farther ahead. That's right. Yeah. And, and the, the best workers, leaders, I think, focus on the next obstacle. Right. Rather than if, if, if I've watched when sometimes when this kind of transformation fails, the leader worries about all the obstacles. They mm -hmm. measure the gap. Well, wait, what does it take to get these 10 things done? Uh, instead of having trust and confidence, learning from experience that, you know what? Your people can overcome those obstacles. They, they, they've, got, they've got the smarts. They've got the brains. Let's just focus on the next hurdle and overcome that. So I love what you're doing there. Where, what percentage are you at? What's the next step? The only, the, the, the even better if, one thing we have run into is people are really good at choosing numbers. If you want numbers, if, if that's the outcome, they'll pick numbers all day long. So if you break that 100% into milestones, then you can, then instead of the 75% being an emotional number, you're a little more confident that you're actually making the progress. Yeah, you know, I, we've debated that too. And we used to kind of use a 25, 50, but then I found that people were just stuck at 25 versus like they were Got accountable it. to move it a little bit. And so we did make that switch. And it, and it also, to be honest, it allows us to gauge, is someone realistic here? What do you mean? You know, you, you right. pick up the phone and you have it at 80%. Let's, let's, we're going to have a discussion now. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and the cool tool uh, from, um, borrowed from David Marquet, certifying. Right. In the military, they used to brief people. You sit down and they'd read from the process manual for an hour. And then they'd say, did everybody get that? No, of course they didn't. They just sat there. So he turned it around. He'd yeah. say, are we ready to load live ordinance on the, on mm -hmm. the, you know, on, on the boat? And uh, how do you know? So I make them certify that. it. I love that. So you're at 50%. Awesome. How do you know? How sure are you that you're at 50%? And That's how do you right. know? That's right. And you know, I just wrote down, cause we're going to add this is what do you see being the, the obstacle for you to get to the next hurdle? What do you see is the obstacle? I love that. We're going to add. And, and, I, and I love what you said that the baby step, the small steps, yeah. that's, that's yeah. crucial. And you know, this brings me to honestly, one of the most powerful questions that I read, and I think it was in one of your chapter summaries. And I love this cause I say, look, you know, I love being at, 10,000 feet and, I, and, and right on the ground. I spend my time, I'm, I'm not, not in the middle. <laughs> and one of the questions that I've never asked and I read in the book and I thought, this is a beautiful question, uh, was do you see anything slipping through the cracks? Where did that come from? I love that question. That is just gold. <laughs> well, that comes from a real story. About your family. Um, <laughs> what did the kids do? What did the kids? No, it wasn't the kids. This was a, this was a transformation <laughs> at a company. And um, what, one of the methods we use when we first step in, it's the same method Mitt Romney used to turn around the 2002 Olympics that were out of control. You interview everybody. You listen, listen, listen. You interview everybody. And uh, so, uh, and it's confidential, <clears throat> Delphic interviewing. You can use the information, but you can't share it with management. So in this particular company, <clears throat> excuse me here <clears throat> in this particular company uh interviewing people found this one leader they had invested all kinds of money in in her and she was sitting in this corner office and i said what's going on do you see anything slipping through the cracks and she said well yeah um i feel like we're the i'm the red-headed stepchild me and my department we're just sitting here um and and we have opportunities that we could be earning money up from 
but but the partner the partners of the company won't listen to it and i said well tell me about the opportunity and she started to describe it and i said tell you what make a business plan and 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 i'll take you to the next partners meeting you can pitch it not me pitch it you can pitch it she said well i've never written a business plan before how do i do it and i said well first of all it's got to be super simple three pages and, and you know show them what the opportunity is show them some numbers what it would take she put this thing together and it was a hidden gold mine for mm -hmm. that company it was slipping through the cracks uh nobody was listening to it and so by simply asking and making it safe for her to say i think we're missing an opportunity here it, it was a huge a significant increase in revenue for the company well, you know, it's funny because my version of that question would be something like, you know, what are the challenges you see? Do you see any bottlenecks? I would ask questions around that, but it's mostly centered around the individual. I love the framing of, do you see anything slipping through the cracks? Because we're having a conversation about a movie we saw yesterday. It's not about right. me, it's not about you. It's do you see based on our vision, if we have a clear purpose of revolutionizing affordable communities, what do you see slipping through the cracks? Because that's probably a customer related question. Right. Well, I just love that. Um, well, and it's not just, that. like you said, it's not just about me. I, no. I could see it slipping somewhere else. It's funny, too, how organizations will say, somebody will say, oh, I see something. And people say, well, you're new here. You have to be here six months before you can say anything. That is like so dumb. The new eyes see stuff. All bad. But, you know, this, this allows someone because the question's easy. The answer's difficult because people may not feel comfortable and have trust and trust the leader because they don't have a relationship or whatever the case is. So the framing is so critical, the framing, and that is just yes. beautifully framed because it allows them to be objective. Here's yes. what I see slipping through the cracks over there, you know? Yes, so, well, how you ask the question is crucial. David Marquet's big on this. Yes. Any questions um, is way different than, what questions are should we be asking here? That's right. Any questions is like it is intent intends to shut down conversation. And and now there is a time and a place to to shut down the conversation. When you're gonna be on the stage in three minutes, yes. you're gonna ask leading questions. Okay, any other questions that we need to deal with, you're done. But if you want to open a discussion, you say, Okay, what are we missing here? What mm -hmm. problems do we have? Open ended mm -hmm. questions, make it safe. Yeah, love that. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, I love this open floor versus open door. Tell us about that. Open door policies are the kiss of death for safety in an organization. And um, everybody talks about this. Oh, we have an open door policy. We have an open door policy. Yes. And it's like, no, because what happens is now I can go and I can, I, I can tell stories about anybody I want. Yeah. The manager now is going to take my monkey off of my back, put it on their back, and mm -hmm. they're going to presume with their all-knowing you know, whatever, to go and solve this problem with the other person. But 95% of the time, there's a communication breakdown between two people. Mm -hmm. And you've got to get them talking to each other. Friedman's theory of differentiated leadership talks about, you know, you, you, reduce, you, you need to reduce the anxiety in the organization. This triangling business where I'm going to the manager, the manager's going to talk for me, th that just makes it terrible because it, the man because inevitably the person's going to say, well, who said this is happening? And the manager's going to say, what? I'm sorry, I can't tell you that. And now anybody in the organization could be this hostile person that has mm -hmm. this misconception about me. So no, uh, the open floor policy says anybody can talk to anybody else. But if you're concerned, yes, talk to your supervisor. Right. They will coach you. 
They will mentor you. They will help you feel safe with the conversation. And they will send, they must not take action. They will send you back to talk with that person and solve the problem. But if you mm-hmm. don't feel safe with that conversation, they'll go with you. Right. Ensure Love safety that. and make sure it happens. And if that doesn't work, then you escalate it. All three of you will then go up one level until you find a place where it can get resolved. Or the, you could use the family mafia technique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this works brilliantly. And, it, and it, in, it creates safety. One organization contacted me. They wanted to hire a new COO mm-hmm. to, to fix their culture. And I said, great, um, let's have a free call here first. And uh, it was a, a wonderful a wonderful company with a great mission, but they, they were having this terrible uh, infighting among the organization. And in, in that call, within about 30 minutes, we realized, wait a minute, the problem is open door versus open floor, taught them the open floor policy. Mm. They implemented it. The culture completely changed. There was no need to spend another $100,000 a year to hire a COO. Problem solved. Right. So just summarize that one more time, just so I want to make sure everyone's clear on what open floor is. Open floor means anybody has the right to talk to anybody else about yes. something. If you're not sure how to do it, you're uncomfortable, you go talk to your boss, go talk to the supervisor, mm-hmm. but they, the boss, the supervisor must not take action on their own. They will coach you. They will train you. They'll help you feel safe about it. And mm-hmm. then you can go back and talk with that person directly to try to resolve the issue. If mm-hmm. it's still not resolved, then the two of you will come and talk with the supervisor who will create safety and, and get the issue resolved. But, and, and, but no process. This is free-flowing. I can say what I want. There's no box to stay in here for the conversation. Correct. But there are tools to help. Mm-hmm. For example, when you've got a real impasse and people can't listen to each other, we teach uh, some tools of engagement, and one of them is dual reflection. Uh, so, so you've got uh, Bob and Sue are upset with each other. Bob has something he's trying to say. Sue has something she's trying to say. So you pull them together and you say, Sue, what do you hear Bob saying? Mm. Not what do you want? No, what do you hear Bob saying? Oh, this mm. is really insightful. Usually Ooh, like they, can't, they can't describe it well. So she'll say what, she's, what she hears and Bob will say, oh, that's about 80% right. And he'll clarify. And then Sue will say it again and he'll say, that's right. And then you switch roles. Mm. And Bob, what do you hear that's Sue that. saying? And usually yeah. by the time you get both of them, are, they understand each other, problem is solved. I love that. I'm just making a note on that because that is beautiful. But, but so what, we're not just saying, all right, boss, you're now a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, go do it. Well, how do I do that? You know, that's scary. You give them the tools. You yeah, got some great tools. That. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about this. I wanted you to touch on process teams and zone charts replacing org charts. That was Yeah. <clears throat> so... Traditional org charts, who creates that? The boss creates right, it, CEO. top yeah. down. Okay, so, so instead we go to zones and roles chart. Now, in order to do that, you have to understand roles. Everyone in an empowered organization is a leader, yep. but that does not mean that everyone is a supervisor. There are many kinds of leaders. You can be a subject matter expert. You can no, be- task mapping. That yes. was a subject matter. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, I've got to learn more about your task mapping. So you can be a subject matter expert. You can be a champion. You can be everyone, you know, many stakeholders. Anybody that cares or is affected by something is a stakeholder. And then there's the concept of a zone owner. There is an owner of a zone. So it, it's zone being finance. Would that be a zone owner? Finance is a zone, but it could also be um, 
monthly reconciliations is a subzone of the finance zone. Right. So, for example, when 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 we wrote Never Boss, uh, I have a I have a ghostwriter, my daughter. Laura mm-hmm. Shanae Cranshaw is the ghostwriter. Wow. Uh, Never boss. She's owner of story. Okay. Love it. She created Jeffrey. She created Jeffrey's world. She interviewed wow. me for like a hundred hours. I dumped all these stories on her and she transcribed them all, put them all wow. together into this amazing story. But, but so she and I would have this tussle sometimes. Well, this, I've got this great story here. Yes. You're owner of story, but I'm owner of book and the story breaks the principles. We can't, <laughs> teach it that way right on the on the flip side though she would come in and she'd say oh my gosh you've got this rapid empowerment roadmap here do you realize that when you put the one layer of that pyramid in place it creates a problem mm-hmm. and the next layer of the pyramid fixes that problem and my jaw dropped and said you're absolutely right i never noticed that before so yeah. you can do this and and the and a zone chart e- e- evolves naturally if somebody wants to be a subject matter expert, they put themselves in the chart. Mm-hmm. If you need a process team spun up to fix some sort of a process problem, anybody can add that process team to the chart and anybody can say, we need a tiger team meeting to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. And tiger team meeting quickly. A tiger team meeting is 20 minutes. We're going to get in. We're going to brainstorm a solution. We're going to find the next baby step, the next small mm-hmm. step. Yep. to start to get a breakthrough in something that's holding us back, and then we're going to disband and go out and try it. And I assume you start that with, what is the outcome of this meeting, and how are we going to measure this or not? Well, well what's the problem? Right, okay. that's right. We start with, yeah. what's the problem we're trying to solve? Okay, what do we, what do we want to see? And the, the outcome is always the same in a Tiger team. Baby step, incremental mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. Progress, not perfection. Last question I have, and then I'm going to open the floor to you to see if there's anything else you want to share. Five levels of decision quality. That was really interesting. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it just blows my mind when we see people saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to make that decision. We see this in political leaders. We see it in bosses. And it's like, okay, well, why are we making that decision? And at, at the, uh, finally realized that uh, all decisions are not created equal. At the bottom, the worst level of decision is because I want it to be this way, mm-hmm. right? I, yeah. I just want it. To, my, my instincts, I'm a very, very, very smart person. My instincts tell me that this is the way it ought to be. And, and in some cases, you have to rely quickly on, on yeah. instinctive decisions, but mm-hmm. you can't leave it there. So the next level up, level two in decision quality is reasons why. Okay, well, there, you know, I, I want it this way because. All right, that's an improvement because at least we're thinking ahead. But how often do we look the next step ahead and say, what's the likely outcome? Mm. If we do this, what's likely to happen? What are the unintended consequences? Beware the unintended consequences. Mm. Um, and if you want even better decisions, though, the, the level four is principles. Principles are the, the principles of our organization, time-tested truths that are easy to follow, that guide the things to do when we don't know what to do. And the highest level of decision quality then ultimately is, okay, we've done this, we've tried the principles, and we've now we're, we've, uh, we're actually measuring the outcomes, and we know what the data is, and we can make mm-hmm. smart decisions based on the data. Mm-hmm. So the decision quality improves over time, and by asking the team to say, wait, w- what level are we at here on our decision quality when we're making this decision? It, make, it results in better decisions faster. Right. Yeah, great. Kevin, anything else that you think that maybe I missed um, that you wanted to talk about that you think is relevant? 
Well, uh, I, I think you've done a great job with your questions. This has been a well, fun interview. We, we could talk for hours and hours yeah, and hours, right. and I hope we will. Absolutely. In the yeah. Uh, all this, you know, uh, it sounds like you, you've got a book, Scaling Culture book coming out, which I'm yeah. anxious to read. Please send me a copy. Well, uh, I'm going to send 10 because each kid's getting one. <laughs> yeah. And, well, uh, and I'm sure you've got some, I hope you've got some sort of simple model in there. Um, and because uh, that, that's huge. And uh, we've got a simple model that we use called the, the Rapid Empowerment Roadmap. Um, and I'll show yeah, that on the screen with you here. Yeah, please. Yeah, let's have a um, This is, uh, let's see here, screen share. Okay, so this is, this is the roadmap. It is a pyramid. Yes, okay? I saw this, yeah. And uh, it, it starts with culture at the bottom. Yeah. But culture, and th this is, yeah, this is one huge point I'd like to make here. How, mm -hmm. do, you, how do you scale culture? Well, um, and how do you quickly change culture in an organization? Well, if you try to impose your particular brand of culture on an organization, good luck with that. It's going right. to be painful and it's going to take years. But when I was growing up, my uncle made homemade chocolate ice cream and I put that in my mouth and it just melted in my mouth and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best chocolate ice cream I've ever had. How did you make this? And he said, Kevin, I think the best ice cream flavors can always benefit from the presence of vanilla. So in order to have a great chocolate ice cream, you start with a great vanilla ice cream mm. and then you add the chocolate. Wow. And when we say culture, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, our, what our parties are like or, yeah, you know, yeah. how, you know, we're talking about empowering leadership, mm -hmm. safety, exciting meetings, the, the, the uh, motivation 3.0, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, just the yeah. basic stuff yeah. in an organization that everybody's begging for. And, and, and though you, you don't impose that, you unleash it because people mm -hmm. want it. Mm -hmm. and, and so you start with this culture level. And when that's, uh, when that's stable, it's now safe and effective for people to speak up. You can move up to the next level of the pyramid and create clarity, clarity around structure, authority, and accountability. Mm -hmm. And accountability means mutual accountability. And then you can move up and build the capabilities of the organization to the next level of the pyramid. Then you can start focusing on, on uh, making sure that what we're doing is actually effective. And then we get to this level, strangely enough, where now we're gonna talk about the vision. Sorry, just, now, just quickly on focus, saying no, being like, we're so focused, we don't do this. Exactly, they, and, and uh, uh, Steve Jobs says, innovation is saying no to a thousand things. That's right. And he's dead right. We have to focus on the crucial few yeah. and ignore the trivial many. And mm. as an organization, we get good at that. That's right, yeah. And, and we teach that as a principle. And uh, at this point in an organization, we, now all of a sudden we're having a conversation about what is our vision? What's our mission? What's our current thematic goal? And, and how do we deal with uh, opportunities and challenges that arise? And this really, this really surprises people because you'd think you want to start with vision in an organization. But when you've got an existing organization, they don't know what's possible. They don't know what their vision could be mm. until the culture layout layers and the clarity and the capability and focus start to emerge. And then you're ready as an organization to have a conversation. Who are we? What are do dominoes. we want to accomplish? And instead of imposing it from the top down, it emerges from the freedom. Right. That yeah, this created. is a domino. One kicks the next, kicks the next. It's like the kind of a, a flywheel, essentially. Yep. And yeah. then the top, the top level of our model is the results, you know, you're focusing on the results, 
what is our finish line? We don't want to mm -hmm. succeed to death. We want to know when we've reached our finish line on a thematical mm -hmm. and choose a new one. And, and, and credit, the sharing of credit, the giving of credit, everybody gets, gets ample credit for the success of what the organization's doing. That's our model, rapid okay. empowerment. Yeah, this is, this is great. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. The content was incredible. It was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed the conversation and I learned a ton, which we'll be sharing with our organization and putting some of this in the book. I hope that's okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm really anxious to get your book, uh, Ron. Like I said, it was a very moving story. I was, I was surprised at the emotional impact at the end of reading your book. And uh, uh, my daughter said the best compliment anybody can say is, uh, I was crying by the time I was reading the book, you know, but I felt a tremendous emotional impact. And, uh, and uh, we will be sharing your concepts and principles with our yeah. people as well. That sounds great. Yeah. Kevin, thank you very much. Thank and you. I'll be calling you, by the way. I'm going to put, you need to send me your cell. You'll be on speed dial for fatherly advice as well. <laughs> that sounds great. That's awesome. Yeah. Look, thanks so much, Kevin. Uh, and uh, you stay safe. You too. Bye-bye. For more information on Kevin Crenshaw or anything related to Connolly Owens and Scaling Culture, check the show description for links and details. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest. Thanks. Stay safe.